The Enviro Show. Hayley McClellan is an environmental campaigner at the Two Oceans Aquarium here in Cape Town, where they've given her a platform, an opportunity, if you like, to raise the green awareness flag. Well, it's an opportunity that she certainly grasped with both hands, in particular with her campaign to rethink the bag. So, what's her own backstory? I've worked at the Two Oceans Aquarium for almost five years now. And when I first arrived there, I was looking after all the penguins and the birds and campaigning on the side. And then the, the organization that I work for are quite incredible. They'll, they'll recognize staff and their, their interests and their passions and their strengths and kind of move us around accordingly or offer us opportunities. So literally last year, they created this position of environmental cam- campaigner in the sustainability department. So it was a new position in a small team. And they asked if I would be interested. Of course, I, I didn't think for a second. I just jumped at it, of course. So I pretty much have the one main campaign, which is Rethink the Bag, which has been running for about three and a half years with the full support of the aquarium. And because the position now can support, we have created a number of other campaigns regarding environmental issues. For example, straws. So they, they all have quite interesting names. So we have straw suck, bin your butt, for mm. all the cigarette smokers out mm. there flicking their butts, um, tap in, which is drink outside the bottle, oh. and mm. also cut a loop, save a life because of the entanglement issues that exist in the bay and in nature generally. And the other one is balloon busters. So Rethink the Bag is definitely the leading campaign. It's almost like the kite and it's um, slowly uplifting all the tails, you know, dragging behind it, which are the, the other campaigns. Um, yeah, nice, I work with a nice analogy. Yeah. It is a nice analogy. Yeah. And I'd like, I was worrying that I'd put so much effort into Rethink the Bag over the past three and a half years. It's such a strong campaign and that's where the energy is. So that's where I was you know, putting all of my attentions. And I started worrying about those other campaigns that I felt I wasn't doing enough with them. And one of my colleagues said that exact thing to me. Don't worry, Rethink the Bag is the kite and the others are the tails mm-hmm. and they will, they will rise too as mm-hmm. Rethink the Bag grows. And so then I felt better <laughs> about it and where my energy was going. Um, so I work within a very supportive team. We, um, we have a designer who's able to, at the drop of a hat, put together campaign material for us. And we're just on the verge of actually launching all of those campaigns to the schools. Um, we, the aquarium sees about 52,000 scholars every year through the doors through into our classrooms. And so those campaigns will be launched with the schools and to outreach programs, etc. And yeah, so my focus there is is very much creating awareness around said campaigns. The objective of Rethink the Bag, which is my real baby, because I created that just out of a, a need to make a difference. And for that campaign, the objective is to have the plastic shopping bag banned in South Africa across the nation. Whoa. And there have been good results already. So mm. it's um, it's been very um, uplifting to mm. see the results, you know, roll out from the efforts that have been put in. Yeah. And people want, they, they want to make a difference and they're looking for these kind of things that empower them, these actions. Yeah, they do want to make a difference. Yeah. I'm just thinking about banning the plastic bag and I'm thinking, of, oh dear, oh dear, because we do use the beastly things one way or another for all sorts of multiple reasons mm. and they do get recycled. But what was the catalyst for you about rethinking the bag? What made you rethink the bag? All right. Um, I haven't used a plastic shopping bag of any sort for about six and a half, almost seven years now. And 
having worked with animals since 1989, back in the days where I started off as a junior training with dolphins and seals and working with penguins at SeaWorld Durban. Throughout all these years working with various animals, I've obviously come to know more about their natural history and their environment and the impacts that us as human beings have on, on the environment. And so they were very much a catalyst for me to, without realising it, my awareness was growing, growing, growing through did, this Did you daily. see the damaging effects that plastic bags had, have, had on them? Especially on marine animals, mm. marine mammals, because I'm in that industry and I've, I've worked with aquariums for so long. And so, yes, we do see it firsthand. So for a lot of people out of sight, out of mind, they don't see it, so they don't think it's a big deal. Like what, for instance? You've got a very sort of oh, shame picture on your mm. on your little campaign leaflet here of a of a little baby seal with a plastic bag his flipper caught in a, a plastic bag but in what other I mean we, we kind of know about the seals in what other ways do they so if you think of turtles the natural diet is a jellyfish and a plastic bag floating in the ocean somehow seems to resemble a jellyfish because and we know this because so many turtles around the globe will wash up or are eventually found um, expired deceased and on investigation with post-mortem autopsy they, there is the plastic bag re revealed that mm -hmm. they've swallowed that so once a turtle let's, let's stay with that example once a turtle swallows a plastic bag it cannot regurgitate it because it has in order for it to be able to feed successfully, it has these spines, little backward-facing spines, all the way down its throat and its sort of... Uh, uh, so it's a one-way gullet. Exactly, mm. it's one way. So they can't regurgitate, or they can't lose their prey once they've caught it and started swallowing. It can't wiggle its way back up. So that's what happens with plastic bags. They they become trapped down there. Then t one or two things, or both, can happen. Um, first of all, the uh, turtle feels full, so it stops eating. So it can die of starvation. And the other thing that something like a plastic bag can create is incorrect buoyancy. So the turtle ends up buoyant, terribly buoyant, and cannot actually dive to the depths it needs to go to feed. And so when, you know, the turtle eventually dies, Mother Nature is amazing, that turtle body becomes a carcass, it dis disintegrates and it biodegrades. But the plastic bag comes out fully intact. And there it floats off again and it can continue its harm. The other animal that is greatly affected by plastic shopping bags that washes up often um, are whales. Yeah. Because obviously they're, it's part of their diet as well, aside from you know the various other species that they're eating, whether it's from plankton up to large jellyfish type. So, yeah, firsthand um, I've encountered penguins not personally but through literature penguins with plastic bags around them african penguins and for one i think creatures are also quite curious so a human being when we have to investigate something we'll use our hands well first we'll use our visual and then we'll pick the item up probably and turn it around and investigate it and animals don't have that so they will use their mouths a dolphin uses its beak or rostrum a bird its beak um and, and, and that's how it goes. And even cows, cows are known to swallow plastic bags. And obviously the part of the, the problem, um, there's, there's a terribly graphic visual on YouTube about a seagull swallowing a plastic bag and it's a, it's, it's a six and a half minute saga, it's terrible. Eventually the bird swallows the entire plastic bag and it looks like it was a takeaway packet for some you know, food stuff. So it's, it's certainly not that plastic bags look enticing or taste good, but there's often food remnants 
inside. And then, as mentioned, um, they're curious. And then if there's another bird in competition trying to steal the bag, well, the best what thing to do is to hide it. So we, the bird swallows it. So those, those are concerns. Looking at, you know, the damage that they do, and I've, I've heard the whale story, and I believe that, you know, mm. if a whale is then slit open, they have all sorts of dreadful yeah. things inside of yeah, them, yeah. which, you know, amongst them certainly plastic bags. So going back to the, the campaign, though, the Rethink the Plastic Bag, which mm. is a, a nice positive uh, line as opposed to ban the beastly thing. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that actually there are quite a number of countries across the world who have banned the plastic bag. They are. And, and you're right, ban the something. It just will get people's hackles up. Yeah. And funny enough, the, the campaign started off being called Ban the Bag. Mm. And I very quickly um, renamed it because of that. You know, I want people to, I don't want to chase people away. I want them to buy into it and to stop and listen and be open to it. Um, the Giving up the plastic bag for me was a simple choice. And it created greater environmental consciousness f- around surrounding waste and my impact on waste. And um, the reason I pretty much gave up that plastic bag when I, I left employment at SeaWorld Durban and then I started my own business called Organic Girl, which only ran for a year. It, it didn't um, really I shouldn't say it didn't take off. It was in the process of taking off. But financial constraints are often a reason that a business doesn't make it in the first year or two or so. And basically, that was part of my journey was saying, okay, no more plastic bags for me and just become more aware of recycling and looking for organic and natural. I can pretty much um, confirm if you were to visit my home, you'll find pretty much everything natural, whether it's uh, cleaning, you know, liquids or personal care, that kind of thing. I, I don't always manage the organic route, but mm. definitely steer away from the nasties. Back to the campaign. Yeah, get back to the campaign. <laughs> um, there are many other countries around the world that have actually banned, successfully banned plastic shopping bags. It's a very controversial topic, obviously. Um, we can get into more later of what the alternatives are and how simple it can be to actually give that item up. But the, the one country that I love to focus on is Rwanda, which is in East Africa. And I was quite amazed when I discovered that Rwanda banned the plastic shopping bag in 2008. And very successfully so. They enforce it very well. Um, if I'm told if you get off the airplane at the Kigali International Airport, if you're carrying a plastic bag, they will confiscate it from you. Explain, we don't do plastic bags in Rwanda. And and that also seemed to have led to a greater consciousness for that community in that they also have this amazing uh, project called Umuganda, which is a community service of sorts. And it's basically people w- working towards a common goal. And it is compulsory. It is obligatory. If you are between the age of 18 and 65, the last Saturday of every month, for three hours, everybody steps out into their community to get involved with the project. So it's either cleaning up the neighborhood or creating community gardens or building a school or homes, etc. Is it a government-run initiative? It is a government-run initiative. What they And this is the reason they banned the plastic shopping bag is because the Environmental Affairs Department realized that plastic bags were hindering their agriculture. Sorry, agriculture. And... Um, Plants don't grow very well through plastic bags, etc. And it was an eyesore across the landscape. And that they just took a very firm stand and said, that's it, no more. And I'm amazed by that because if you think of Rwanda and the genocide of the 90s and that they would have the, f- the, the, 
I don't know, the foresight to yes. focus on something that seemed not to be as much of a priority as life, human yeah. life, and, and, and that kind of perspective. So I was very yeah, excited when sure, I discovered yes, them. And, and taking nothing away from Rwanda, I kind of think to myself, if they can do it, we can do it. Totally. Anybody could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope our Department of Environmental Affairs is listening right now. Um, yes, Rwanda, Taiwan, Tanzania, Italy, UAE, San Francisco, Mumbai, and Grayton. Mm. <laughs> right here in the Western Cape, the little town of Grayton has also gone plastic bag free. My wonderful Grayton. I'm so proud of them. I really am. Um, started working with them about, well, the idea flourished between myself and a few friends there about two, two and a half years ago. It wouldn't be amazing if Grayton could be the first town to ban the plastic shopping bag. It was just a seed that was planted, and that was all that was required because, as you know, it's happened. So in my position as environmental campaigner, when that started in October last year, now I had all the time in the world to devote to following this up and all the support from the aquarium. And um, basically, we made it happen. When I say we, myself, together with the Grayton Transition Town Committee, we made it happen within the past six months, I'd say. Literally from January, we began really putting into place how we would roll this out. And it was quite intense, the the, the energy and the attention paid to detail in that I've presented to every single school in the Greaton and Hanardendal and Bereaville area because they're all very close in the community. Um, also then presented to the retailers. You know, they don't have what this is. This was one of the easy um, uh, things about Greaton is that they don't have any national retailing stores. So there are none of the big brands there. And they do, of course, have their little local supermarket and they have three actually. And so, yeah, got them together. Even the guy who owns four or five of the Spaza shops in the area, he even came to the meeting and he's been one of the greatest supporters mm. to date. And so... It's not about, with campaigning, it's it's certainly not about getting in people's face, getting their hackles up, offending them. Um, those those tactics just don't work. And there are activists out there that, that will practice that with not much result. It's really about creating relationship. I believe that is um, coming to a kind of an agreement between the parties as to why it may not work and why it can work and how it can work and, and working towards that. So relationship building with Grayton, yeah. for me, has been key, absolutely. Yeah. Well, if there are any other towns across the country who feel that they too could do something similar, and it does help to be a small town mm. uh, so that everybody can you know be on the same page and doing this together, can they get in touch with you? Absolutely. Um, they can find me on the rethinkthebag.org website. There is a contact page there. Um, alternatively, of course, there is a Facebook page, Rethink the Bag South Africa. Okay. And then on Twitter, at Rethink the Bag. And there are a number of other smaller towns that I'm working with at the moment. So Montague is hot on the heels of Grayton. Very exciting, Montague. Um, Heart Bay, which is a little more um, complicated because they have the big national retail stores, but we've been working an amazing program there. Are you allowed to import your plastic bags into a, into a Grayton or, or Heart Bay or wherever it may be? If you if you come carrying a plastic bag, are you going to get shot out? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think we're at that stage. Mm. Um, if it's the principle of the matter. It is. I think if people came to Grayton carrying their own plastic bags, the locals may or may not say something. Some people would, some people wouldn't. The fact of the matter is that we're getting to a point in Grayton, well, it's pretty much done, that you may not, you will not be able to purchase 
another yeah. plastic bag yeah. there. And um, I work very closely with Nikki Vernon, who heads the Great and Transition Town Committee. And she um, she emailed me just a, a short report the other day, and her last couple of lines really just made my heart swell she said I walk around Grayton and I just don't see plastic bags anymore people are carrying reusable bags they all are carrying reusable bags well and very wise it is too I'm just reading again from your little pamphlet here that says uh, a plastic bag is made from a non-renewable resource it can take hundreds of years to break down they're an unnecessary convenience and we consume here in South Africa eight around about eight billion bags every year eight billion mm. bags every year killing millions of sea and land animals, costing taxpayers millions every year to clean up. So the big question is, what is the alternative? Okay, what is the alternative? There are alternatives no matter where you shop. I think you can agree, any of the stores that you frequent, you just look at the checkout areas and there will be a range of bags ranging from anything under 10 rand up to 50 to 100 rand. So it's catering for all markets. Um, the other exciting thing is that between all the different town projects, we are, I would say, on the verge of creating a locally available alternative in the form of um, a, a, a shopping bag that actually folds back up into itself. And um, we, I had bought in not brought in we we were drawing from a supplier in pretoria and they were having bags made in china of course oh. we want to get away from that mm. we did i think we moved about 25,000 of those bags through the campaign which and they were gems they really did help us to launch rethink the bag through grayson and hard bay um, because we all, all of us from those different projects feel strongly about local as lacquer, we have made huge steps towards creating a local alternative. So it's it's about to happen. Um, and so we, we, we want to keep our peeps on your website. I will post it. The moment yeah. we have something available, it we'll be splashing it out there because it's it's exciting because it's employment uh, creating. It, um, people will be employed, create jobs, um, and it's an empowering kind of step in action if you think of if you had to say to somebody plastic pollution is a big problem for the planet go and solve it well i think that person would run a mile put their head in the ground and, and you just can't tackle it looking at that big picture it's too overwhelming and so for me choosing one single item which is a plastic shopping bag which is so controversial anyway and focusing just on that one item actually um is the catalyst to greater environmental mm -hmm. awareness regarding waste. And I, I say it's empowering because friends of mine who said to me, I've given up using plastic bags and it's not a big deal. And what I find the way to support myself, the way I have supported myself in doing so, is first of all, I recycle everything at home. So I don't need to use that plastic bag as a bin liner, um, which a lot of people do. So studies show that most plastic bags have a lifespan from the store to home of 20 minutes. And then they're thrown out. They're either bundled under the sink in the cupboard or thrown in a bin bag to go off to landfill or used as a bin liner, ending up in landfill anyway. That bag is very thick. It's, it's built to last. And as mentioned, it can last anything up to a 1,000 years. And so the logic behind using something for 20 minutes and it stays on this planet and is detrimental for literally forever is, is just fascinating. And I, it's something we can work around. And, yeah, focusing on that plastic bag empowers people a lot of people say to me i was shopping the other day and i was thinking about you and i laugh because 
it's lovely to know that people are thinking about me, but it's because I'm the plastic shopping bag and they just see me sitting on their shoulder, this little red devil saying, don't you dare take a plastic bag. Well, certainly lots of fuel for rethought, I would say. <laughs> Gosh, Hayley, thank you very much for drawing attention to that, uh, you know, the devils in the plastic bag. I mean, it's, it's had its uses, but there's got to be an alternative. Mm. And it sounds like we're on the brink of it. So fabulous. Yeah. Can't wait to hear more about that. I'm very Lovely. excited. Thank, thank you, you very, very much, much for your support. Hayley McClellan, and if you'd like to know a little bit, if you'd like to meet her, you can go along to the Two Oceans Aquarium and I've no doubt that you'll be able to find her. She's the woman without the plastic bag. In fact, I think at the plastic at the, at the Two Oceans Aquarium, there's a ban on, on plastic bags there as well. Oh, that's one thing I failed to mention is that when the aquarium officially adopted Rethink the Bag as an environmental campaign in March 2011, our director put his foot down and said, as of this day, there was no easing into this. He just said, as of today, no staff may bring a plastic shopping bag into the building. And the staff have been amazing. The support has been there. Well, there you go. If you're an employee, um, an employer, maybe they would like to follow suit in your business. No, ban the plastic bag, but rethink the plastic bag. Rethink about it. I think that's the, the better way to go. Hayley McClellan, thank you very much. Thank you. And Nancy. once again, if you'd like to find out a little bit more, just check the website, which is rethinkthebag.org, or find their Facebook, which is Rethink the Bag SA. And you're listening to The Enviro Show. Moretele Park Tribute Concert 2014 celebrates 20 years of freedom. Saturday, 30 August at Moretele Park in Mamilodi, City of Tswani. Featuring Ringo, Jonas Gwangwa, Mafigizolo, Johnny Clegg, Yvonne Chagachaka, Mikasa, Lira, Letambulu, Zonke, Thomas Chauke, Musa from Idols, Budaza. Tickets at Compute Ticket and ShopRite Checkers. No bottles, no weapons, no price stands. Moretele Park Tribute Concert, brought to you by Drakensberg Promotions. SAFM Current Affairs continue to look at the issues. We look at developing stories and stories not in the mainstream by giving you an evening update on Weekend PM Live, Saturday and Sunday from 8 to 9 p.m. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Sick of always missing your favorite SAFM shows? Well, now you don't have to. We have a free podcast service that allows you to access them directly from your cell phone, PC or tablet, whenever and wherever you're ready to listen. Go to safm.co.za and click on podcast. This takes you to the SAFM page on iono.fm. Follow at iono.fm on Twitter or like it on Facebook for regular updates. You never have to miss your favorite shows. SAFM Podcasts, powered by Iono.fm. The best of the African Connection with Richard Mwamba, the dance edition, continues to make lovers of African music dance. Get your copy of the best of the African Connection with Richard Mwamba, the dance edition, at your favorite CD shop or online. Every weekend, SAFM brings you the people at the center of the stories. We give you a clear perspective on national and international events. Find out how on Weekend AM Live from 6 every Saturday and Sunday morning. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Well, next up here on the Enviro Show, the Responsible Packaging Management Association whose aim, as we understand it, is to provide a focus for all organisations who are involved in the life cycle of packaging from start to finish. 
So who are those people and in what way can they be taking responsibility for packaging? Well, with certainly more than a little bit of insight, I would imagine, on the line we have Executive Director of the Responsible Packaging Management Association, Liz Anderson, on the line. Hi, Liz. Hi there. Nice. nice to meet you. Thank you. Thanks very much. So the Responsible Packaging Management Association, it sounds like a sort of watchdog organisation. Who are you and, and who are you trying to make responsible for what exactly? <laughs> a very good question. Um, we uh, are a supply chain uh, organisation. We deal with um, chemical manufacturers. Uh, it's basically looking at everybody in the supply chain of uh, industrial and retail chemicals. Um, so we're looking at uh, giving advice and uh, participating in regulatory issues for uh, manufacture, packaging, transport, and all the issues, including the final disposal of the packaging. So that's all the way from presumably the people who are designing the packaging to the people who are manufacturing the packaging? Correct, and the labelling as well. Okay. So we're looking at the uh, producer responsibilities and the extended producer responsibilities. So we have members from packaging manufacturers through uh, chemical manufacturers who put products in um, and uh, right the way through the transport. So it's a full value chain. You know, you see, you use the word chemical, and I, when I think packaging, I think paper, plastic, you know, wrapping, all that sort of stuff. And I'm not really thinking of chemicals, but just quickly a, a broad overview of the packaging industry, which has developed so much over the years. I mean, the old days, there were brown paper bags, and now there are sort of blister packs and crush-proof packs and this pack and that pack. So the end of the design aspect has come a very long way, as presumably have the materials. But with the development and advances, presumably it's become more, more hazardous, perhaps. Uh, well, there are a lot of products that people don't understand as hazardous that we see on our supermarket shelf. And uh, then, of course, the industrial chemicals which go to supply to make things we see in retail and other things we take for granted on a daily basis. Uh, we deal with all of them. And... Uh, we look at the when it's a chemical and many things in your supermarket you don't you take for granted you don't under, uh, you don't really register that they're chemicals and they could have harmful effects like um, bleach things simple things like that uh, insecticides you use in the home there there are lots of things in the retail trade and they all come under the same global regulations. Bleach and insecticides, I mean, are you talking about those as products or are you talking about those contained within the packaging? As products, which okay. then have to be packaged in approved packaging and then labelled properly so people are aware of any hazards uh, involved with them that they may have to um, comply with. Oh, I uh, see. Or, or to protect them from having any dangerous effects. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that, that, that opens a, a window in my mind. So if you bought an insecticide at your local supermarket and it's not properly packaged, it could be sort of leaching out and affecting all the other goods that are in your sh your shopping trolley. Uh, yes, it could if you spill it, certainly. Yes. But and uh, one needs to, some things have fumes and one must be careful in inhaling them. And that's uh, an important issue where the new GHS, or Globally Harmonized System of Classification and Packaging, is being used around the world. Uh, to put the same symbols on and to try and educate people 
um, about safe handling and use in the home as well as the workplace. So do people, do people in the packaging business, do they come to you for advice or do you keep tabs on them to make sure they're doing the right thing? Um, well, we're not a watchdog as such. Mm. It's meant as a voluntary situation. But, um, yes, we do uh, liaise with the uh, big um, packaging council as well to give them advice. And we are open to, we do have members, and we're open to members of the packaging industry to train and give them the right information. One of the things I'm looking at your info here that says you encourage industry's commitment to the public to continuously improve its health, safety and environment practice and performance. Give us an idea of of in what way um, packaging can be hazardous to health, safety and the environment. Okay. Well... For uh, anything that is designated as a chemical, with uh, it will have a UN number, and uh, which designates what type of hazard is it? Uh, could it be an explosive? Is it a, in the ga- gaseous phase? Is it something that is going to be flammable? Is it something that is harmful to breathe? Is it something which is going to be corrosive and burn the skin or cause other problems? for use in the home or in industry. So you've got these classifications. And from there, uh, it dictates the type of legal packaging. So there are legal requirements for packaging to be tested and certified and marked to contain these types of hazards. And that's where coming back to, to the environmental issues, we are encouraging and helping people to take back for reuse uh, recycle and reuse of the packaging and where that is not possible to see that it is properly cleaned before it goes into reuse of the material so it doesn't prevent hazards to anybody else. Yeah, yes, absolutely. The producers themselves, to what extent should, the, you know, the manufacturers, if you like, of the packaging, to what extent should they be responsible for what happens to the product at the end? Is it enough for them just to say, please recycle this product and, and put a little triangle on it? Or, or should they be doing more? Well, when it comes to chemicals, it's rather different to general products. Um, and yes, they should be actively involved with us in getting this uh, producer responsibility and take back. Um, the Waste Act requires extended producer responsibility. And when it comes to chemicals, um, the packaging manufacturers are the first people who should ensure that their buyers are using the right specification. Yes. Because if they're not, it could fail when the user is using it. And that could be disastrous. Yes. What the industry is mm. controlled, but the public the housewife, it's not a control condition. So that is where it can become dangerous if the wrong type of packaging is used. And the, um, you know, the education of the public, do they, is there more that they need to know? Well, we are starting to do that. And yes, there is. And that is where the new GHS uh, globally harmonised system of classification and labelling comes in. Uh, to warn people, uh, this is now more for public consumption than what you see on the trucks, so that they understand. Uh, and we're going to have a huge drive in the country on public education. At the moment, um, the Department of Labor is our lead agent uh, because it's looking at safety to people. And this will be uh, 
brought forward with more public awareness. Um, I'm dealing with a couple of the very big supermarket chains, and they're very keen to get education out to their customers. Hmm. I think, uh, do you have a toll-free number if anybody would like to know more? Uh, we do. It's 0800 yeah. RPMASA. Sorry, 0800? R-P-M-A-S-A. I've got you, R-P-M-S-A. Lovely. Well, Liz, thank you very much. I'm going to give out that uh, that detail and also give out your website, if I may. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks a lot. The more we can raise awareness on this, the better, because, yes, we can put in and we are encouraging uh, recycling schemes, but really it's more recovering of packaging so that it can be reused. Yeah. Um, you can't lightweight where you can with other consumer packaging if it contains chemicals and dangerous goods. Great, so there you have it. If you'd like to make a call, the number is 0800 RPMASA, 0800 RPMASA. Otherwise, check the site, which is www.rpmasa.org.za. Well, together with plastic in all its uh, many various forms, the other material that's a huge component in the packaging industry is, of course, paper one that takes quite a bad rap in as much as it involves the chopping down of a huge amount of trees. But once again, who is really overseeing the paper story? Well, on the line we have from PAMSA, which is the Paper Manufacturers Association of South Africa, Executive Director Jane Maloney. Hi, Jane. <coughs> Hi, Nancy. Nice to have you with us. Oh, lovely now, to be with you. Um, the, paper, the paper industry, everybody goes, oh, trees, you know, mm, terrible. What's the situation with the paper industry at the moment? Are we, are we doing well? I think we're doing well under difficult circumstances. Um, I think the first point... Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, what are the... Dif- what difficult circumstances? Explain. Well, the difficult cir- circumstances in part are exactly what you said. Everybody goes, oh, well, we're chopping the trees. But the reality is, is that we actually plant those trees in order to make paper from them. And paper is made, for, therefore, from a renewable resource, which, while it's growing, sequesters carbon. So, actually, the fact that we come from trees is a fantastic plus. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, yeah. Not, it's certainly not all bad. Nonetheless, it yeah. doesn't mean that we need to go around wasting paper. But no, no. in terms of paper in the packaging industry, is it a huge component? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm trying to mentally go around the supermarket stores and thinking, oh, what's paper and what isn't? Okay. Is it, is it vast? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, it's one of the areas where our industry is growing. There is, there is a huge demand for paper packaging, precisely because it's renew, renewable. And if you think about how it's changed, you know, from your sturdy corrugated box for moving your your goods and chattels when you when you move house, through to um, wine bottles, you know, containers for wine and containers for medicine. Um, marvellous heat-resistant paper cups. Uh, there's a tremendous use for paper in packaging. You know, once again, d- doing that sort of um, audit of what's on the supermarket shelves one way or another, everything is packaged and, you you know, whatever you do with the product that's inside, whether you eat it or whatever you may use it for, the actual packaging itself is can be recycled, but to what extent really is it? How much of it ends up just in the rubbish bag? Well, unfortunately, only 5% of South African households recycle. But having said that, um, we actually collect over 62% of the paper that is available and recycle it. And paper is recyclable for up to seven times. Really? 
Mm, absolutely. And even after that, um, you know, once you've put it in and obviously the fiber is too degraded to use and it ends up as sludge, we have all sorts of innovations and we're looking at research to produce ethanol from that sludge, for example, um, or dry it out and, and have it used for bricks. So even at its absolute end of life, um, you know, paper is still useful. Gosh, so each and every tree not only represents a whole pile of paper, it represents a a pile after pile of pile of paper because it it then gets used in very many different, uh, you know, uh, incarnations, if you like. Yes, absolutely, it does. It does. But you talk about 5% of households recycling. Gee, that's, that's not a whole lot, is it? What about no. what about industry? What about hospitality industry? What about the retail industry itself? Um, actually, retail industry is quite good. Uh, they work with us um, as an association. We we also have the paper recycling association, and they they um, will recycle uh, most of the their paper if they can. Um, do are we doing the right things in terms of packaging paper packaging? Are we doing the right things, or is there sort of rethinking that needs to be done, both on the part of the retailers, uh, the the product manufacturers, and the and the consumers at the end? Do we need to rethink? Okay, I think we do need to rethink from a perspective of we need to design to recycle. So if you have a cardboard box, you don't need a little plastic window in it, for example. Mm. Um, if it's just just a paper box, it's much easier to recycle. And then we're also seeing a lot more uh, light weighting. So you don't have as much packaging material, and it means that your, your fiber and your tree goes that much further, um, which which is excellent. And then you can use recycled board uh, for for food packaging because of water soluble inks uh, that sort of thing which is also good news I, I suppose are there sort of teams and teams of developers and scientists you know sort of packaging uh, scientists who know what's going on here who are coming up with new ways yes there are and in fact um, we you know not just the design but from from the point of view of what you can use fiber for for example, you have uh, you produce chemical cellulose from the tree, and from that you can you can use it in everything from lipstick to um, to yogurt to ice cream to producing rayon for viscose. So, from a, from 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 producing from growing your tree, you can actually even make a bioplastic from it. So it's not just paper. You know, paper is under threat from a digital perspective. So it's great to know that we can make so many things that come from a renewable resource. Yeah, we we say paper's under threat from a digital perspective, but I don't know, we seem to be surrounded in this paperless society that we're supposed to be, and we seem to be surrounded by more and more paper. But the paper, yeah, no, carry on. No, I was going to say, but that's actually good, because 50% of that sheet of paper on your desk is has got um, carbon sequestered in it and as long as you keep it in the in the process and recycle it that carbon is constantly locked up so so that's a good thing and if you're going to read a large document online you're going to end up with a bigger carbon footprint than if you printed out that pdf because you you only have a footprint once on that document that you printed out you can refer to it many times it's a whole new way of looking at it. <laughs> the the paper itself notwithstanding, what about the printing that goes onto it? You know, you see a lot of printing, you know, fancy printing, sometimes metallic inks. Is there are there um, you know, some inks that are more toxic than others? Is that something that we also need to be conscious of? 
Uh, yes, definitely. And I think that the move is more, more to choose water-soluble inks so that when you recycle your, your um, cardboard and paper, it's not a problem. Do we need to be thinking in terms of less is more? Because, I mean, let's face it, when you do go shopping, uh, one is attracted by the packaging. That is really, you know, 95% of the selling point. It's, it's never mind the, the, the brand name. One's really looking at the packaging, you know, whether it looks generous and appealing and all the right colours, etc. But technically, we should be doing less packaging, not more. Yes, um, I agree with that, and that's why you have more and more retail-ready boxes. So you'll see your fruit box actually has good quality printing on it, and it's used as the promotional item as well. So not only is it protecting for when it's transported from the farmer to the to the sort of uh, retailer and then to the table, uh, but it's actually acting as a marketing tool too. So you haven't had to repackage in between. I think that we've got um, National Recycling Day coming up very soon. Yes, we have. 19th of September? That's right. What's your message then to the nation? To the nation, reuse, recycle, reduce. And paper is a marvellous, sustainable choice when it comes to packaging, communicating and all sorts of other exciting things, decorating, etc. So, yeah. Enjoy Talk, using paper. Yes, yes, indeed. And I'm talking of communicating. I think that on your website, which is called The Paper Story, I think you've got all sorts of information there. Yes, we have. We have. That, and it's called um, thepaperstory.co.za, so it's easy to access. I think there's even some, some things there for teachers to use. Okay. What sort, hmm. what sort of things? Just tempt us further? Uh, tempt you further. <laughs> I'll have to go and have a look. Okay. <laughs> no, no, but there are all sorts of ideas yeah. for um, making things from old milk cartons, um, all sorts of recyclable, reusable ideas, as well as posters, uh, things like that. Yes, as, as well as literally the paper story. I did have a look myself at sort of how it, how it all comes together, which I found absolutely fascinating. Jane, thank you very much. And uh, National Recycling Day coming up on the 19th of September. So bear in mind, if you uh, want to join the ranks of the 5% of households who do recycle, that would be a jolly good day to take take the pledge. Jane Maloney, thanks a lot. Thank take you, care. Nancy. Thanks very much. Jane Maloney, is, uh, she's Executive Director of the Paper Manufacturers Association of South Africa. Well, if you would like to check the site, it's www.thepaperstory.co.za. Thepaperstory.co.za. Love is the way Let your whole spirit sing People think of poetry as if it's that school stuff and it's so different now. Poetry is essential. I think that we can't live without poetry. Poetry is the language of the heart. It's what makes people able to communicate the most important things in our lives. It allows us to communicate at a really deep level. It creates an alphabet of human experience. Mm. It helps us hear each other better. Speak to each other. Yeah, exactly. Listen in to Poetry in the Air, running Monday through Thursday till the first week in September. SAFM Poetry in the Air. Yes, you do. Mama, we
It is said, behind every successful man, there is a woman. In the past 20 years, women have taken their stand in society, parliament, and in business. We talk about Nkosa Zanadlamini Zuma, Helen Suzman, Tu Lima Donzela, and Jill Marcus, to name a few. SAFM celebrates 20 years of inspiring women. SAFM, let's have the conversation. to Poetry in the Air, running till the first week in September at quarter to 12 on SAFM. SAFM brings you live interactive topical news from current affairs, global warming debates, women's issues, to interviews with top literary connoisseurs. To join our conversations, visit our website on safm.co.za. Follow us on Twitter at SAFM Radio or simply like our Facebook page, SAFM Radio. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Zolani Maola, you're listening to SAFM. Remember to catch Shab Shab Children's Show on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10 minutes to 2. Keep it Shab Shab. The Enviro Show. Well, finally, in our green goodie slot this evening, the place where plastic and paper and all sorts of materials generally come together at a recycling depot. And the one we're looking at today, it's called Super Mama, basically because it's run by Super Mamas. And the superest mama of them all is the owner. She's owner-founder Tina Mazia, and we have her on the line. Hi, Tina. Yes, hi. Nice to have you with us. Well, congratulations on starting your Super Mama. When did you start it and why? Uh, we started the Super Mama Waste Product Recycling Program in 2012. Our passion for environmental sustainability um, compelled us to adopt greener practices in our production process at Very Green, which is the parent company. Okay, Very Green. Tell us a bit about Very Green. Uh, Very Green um, is a South African company that is born out of passion for environmental sustainability, as I said. Um, We recycle and reuse plastic waste in the production of our refuse bags thereby preventing waste from going to landfill. Okay, so you are presumably, you're looking for people to bring stuff to you or do you go and collect it? Just exactly how do you get your material? Okay, uh, we have invested in a team that goes out to uh, disadvantaged communities to train not only existing uh, waste collectors, but also unemployed women. Um, We train these women in waste collection skills, sorting and grading which are skills they can also impart onto other, you know, um, women in same um, circumstances as themselves. So effectively, I mean, we're creating employment to, to women. Um, we train them to source the waste. They give us the waste. We pay them a premium, and we use the waste in production of our refuse bags, our Supermama branded refuse bags. Mm. 
Okay. So when you say you train them in waste collection, do you take them to depots or do they go and source the material from wherever they may find it? How exactly do they fit in? Um, we, we train them uh, in our premises in terms of the sort of plastic waste that we require for the production of the bags. We also go out to um, certain industries and retailers and we source the waste on behalf of the mamas. At times we place the mama, let's say in an industrial site, where she would be handling the waste that comes out of that site. Um, alternatively, the mamas are, I mean, they are micro-entrepreneurs, they go out on their own and they source the waste. Okay. It's from households, from retailers, wherever they can find the waste. Gosh, yeah. so your mamas are mobile. Ah, they're on foot, but uh, with yeah, the but they move around. collection points yeah, mm. that uh, we've set up so that they don't have to travel all the way to our plant in, in Pine Town. So we collect from them wherever they are, strategic days, you know, of the week, yeah. Tell us a little bit about the end product then, the, the, the bags themselves. Uh, the bags are called uh, Super Mama, which is a name which was inspired by the mamas. Mm. Um, these are just your normal refuse bags. They've got drawstrings, which means that um, they're a bit high-tech than the, the current bags that you find on the uh, We're the only ones in South Africa that have this technology to make a drawstring bag, which allows you to, to put in 25% more of waste in a bag just because it's got the drawstrings. It's more convenient. It's more hygienic. Our bags are side-sealed um, instead of being bottom-sealed, which means that the waste will never, you know, come from the bottom. So yeah. the bag will never burst effectively. Sure. Yeah. yeah, it's a class act. I like the idea of the drawstring. I know exactly what you mean. By the time you squash it all down and, you know, tied the ears, you've used up a yeah. lot of space. That's yes. Excellent. So yeah. the actual waste itself, I mean, you know, let, let's face it, it can be fairly grim. It can be quite dirty collecting all this waste. How do the women take to, how do the mamas take to sorting it out? Are they supplied with rubber gloves? You know what I'm saying? How do, how do you keep it clean? Okay, uh, look, the mamas, we supply the mamas with uh, working gear. They've got gloves, they've got um, pinafores, which protects their own, you know, uh, clothing. They've got uh, boots. Look, I mean, the waste that we use for the production of our bags, it's um, uncontaminated waste, so it's fairly clean uh, because we don't have a wash plant at the moment. So we don't take contaminated waste. So I wouldn't say it's a very dirty job at yeah, such, yeah. yeah. Just going back to the to the end product, which is the drawstring bag, the, the high-class drawstring bag, how much material do you need to collect to make a bag? I, I, you know, if you can give us that sort of equation. Uh, for, uh, I would say, for a roll of bags, you need about two, two kgs of waste. Yeah, I, I would say that if, 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 if my memory yeah. serves me, yeah. serves me well. Yeah, so, I, 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 I can't really remember the exact, um, you know, figures. Yeah, yeah. so we're looking, I think, yeah, yeah. we're looking at quite a lot, which is a good thing because it's cleaning up, you know, the, the whole environment uh, socially. Yeah. The type of material that needs to be collected is it is it lightweight plastic? Is it does it are there certain plastics that can work and certain certain of them that you just have to throw away? Uh, yes, it has to be the LD. It's more the the stretchy type uh, plastic. You know your, um, your 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 bread bags, your toilet paper, outer packaging. You know the stretchy type uh, plastic. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, we call it the LD, so that's the one that we don't be used. If, uh, some packaging have got a number four in them, which just um, distinguishes from the other types of, of plastic waste. So if it's got a four, that's the one that we use. So the mamas, if they bring in stuff that is not suitable, what happens to it? Are you able to offload it elsewhere? Look, as, as I said, we do train the mamas to sort, to grade, so the mamas know exactly what we use, you know, for the production of the super mama bags. So it, it, it's very rare that we'd find, you know, the plastic that we don't mm. use that are brought in by the mamas, yeah. The, the most important ingredient to this whole production that you've got going here is the education factor, really, because presumably all those mamas are then passing on this, the concept of collecting and recycling and reusing to other people in their area. Do you find that it's having a sort of cyclical ripple effect, if you like? Yes, it does. I mean, um, people see that a mama is earning an income from this initiative, so they also get inside and want to join in and, you know, make a living out of it. Um, you know, besides earning a living, I mean, a mama is, you know, it allows them to support their families. They're given a sense of pride and a degree of power. You know, you're doing something that's, that you can see is of value, you know, it's changing your life. So, yeah. Yeah, changing your life, but cleaning up the environment too, which is pretty yeah, important. How, how many mamas have you got? And if we give out your details, how many more would you like? Uh, currently, we're working with 100 mamas, and our goal is to um, work with 500 mamas. It just in your area, or can you franchise across the country? Currently, we are KZN-based, but obviously to get to a number of 500, we would have to roll it out um, beyond KZN. So, yes, uh, the future is to sort of get into the other provinces as well. Mm, well, the future sounds clean, Tina. So let me give out the details if uh, if you've got anything to do with it. Let me give out the, your website if anybody would like to have a look and perhaps sign up. Yes, Lovely. that would be brilliant. Yeah. Super. Well, thank you very much. Keep up the good work. Take care. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Okay. Cheers. Uh Tina Mazia, and she is the founder, the owner and founder of Supermama. And if you'd like to know a little bit more, both about the Supermama activities themselves, but also about the Supermama refuse bags, those rather classy drawstring ones, check the site. It's Supermama, that's S-U-P-A-M-A-M-A, supermama.co.za. So that's it. Thanks very much. Thanks, team. That's uh, Kim Winter and Lance Andrews, and I'm Nancy Richards. Well, there'll be more next week, more green stuff right here on the Enviro Show. But right now on SFM, it's nine o'clock. Time for the news.